I want to read a few verses, a couple of verses of Scripture in Exodus 3. I want to take us to what I think is very familiar territory, familiar ground, at least to people who have raised in Sunday school or Bible, if you have Bible knowledge, if not, just uh, begin with us today. Welcome all those who are on uh, the streaming today from Facebook and YouTube. Exodus chapter 3, I want to read a verse, couple of verses, 7. And the Lord said, and the Lord is speaking to Moses. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. I heard a story this week, and you may have seen it on the internet, but it sets up well, at least from my mind, what I want to share. It seems that a pastor, a traveling pastor, visited a country town, and in a restaurant, there was a men's breakfast on Saturday morning. And the pastor, the guest pastor, visiting pastor, noticed that the pastor there asked a man in overalls, decked out in the bib overalls, to say grace over the morning breakfast. How many of you have seen this? Anybody? Good. You'll think it's brand new. So this old gentleman in the bib overalls began to pray, and the first thing he said was, Lord, I hate buttermilk. And the visiting pastor kind of opened one eye and thought, my goodness, I wonder where this is going. So the old farmer went on and, and was praying, and he proclaimed, Lord, I hate lard. Now the pastor was kind of concerned about what he was going to do and further on. And without missing a beat, finally the old farmer said, And Lord, you, don't, you know I don't much care for raw white flour. The pastor eyed the group again and said, Boy, there were several eyes now. Have you ever noticed that sometimes people want to peek when you're praying? <laughs> and so everybody was kind of peeking when he's praying and but the old farmer went on and he said, Lord, but Lord, when you mix them all together and bake them, I do love warm, fresh biscuits. And maybe like hot buttered biscuits. God made them, didn't he? And he went on to pray, so Lord, when things come up that we don't like, when life gets hard and we don't understand what you're saying to us, help us just to relax and wait until you are done mixing. It will probably be even better than biscuits. I just thought that was extremely apropos to some of what we are experiencing today. I want to take you to one of Israel's darkest hours in history. Israel for 400, uh, excuse me, yes, for 400 years have been in slavery to Egypt. They, the Israeli people raised the crops, they threshed the grain, 
They mixed the straw with the mud and they built houses from mud bricks and built the dwelling places of the Egyptians while they lived in tents and huts. All the while, these Israelis, the children of Israel, prayed and they prayed and prayed for deliverance. But these verses describe, that I read, describe possibly one of the highest moments of Israel's history. For suddenly, for whatever reason, God decided he would move. For years he had listened and heard Israel's praying. And God utters forth his answer to their prayer. Watch what he said. We read it. I love it. He goes, I have seen their afflictions. I have heard their cries. I know their sorrow. And I am come down to deliver them. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a shouting blessed moment when God decides to answer our long, long time and season of prayer. When God says to his people, I hear you and I'm going to do something about it. Imagine with me, if you will, something that's important. Somehow, maybe the announcement was captured in the Egyptian news media, or their handouts, or their newspaper, or something of that nature, and it says something to the Egyptians. The God of Israel is reported to have spoken to them. He has seen their afflictions, he has heard their prayers, he knows their sorrow, And he's coming down to deliver them. These are the Egyptians hearing this. These are the people that work for them. And I imagine they had a heyday in their time. If you'll allow me to use my imagination, the Egyptians have had these people for 400 years. And suddenly they believe God's coming down to do something and deliver them out from Egyptian bondage. And I think I hear them say, that's just like this fanatical bunch of people. These bunch of Christians, here they are, they've worked for us all this time. And they're still clinging to their religion. Still clinging to their God. They didn't have any guns. Because that's what we've been accused of. In case you didn't know. But imagine with me that this news somehow trickled down into the Israeli quarters. Where all these people had been faithful and prayer warriors all this time. Those who had been taught that their God was the ruler of the universe. Those who had for years been walking and talking with God and believing Him and walking in faith with Him. And these who genuinely know God, not in a religious way, but in a relationship way. I heard a minister years ago say one lady described God in this manner. She described Him and said, when He clears His throat, that's thunder. When He blinks His eye, it's lightning. 
When he moves his feet, it's 10 on a Richter scale. This is the kind of God that Israel's forefathers had known. They would pray and God would absolutely be seen, even in the tangible. This is the kind of God Israel has been calling on in their camp. And for years, their faith said, our God is going to hear us. Their faith said, our God is going to come. Our God will answer prayer. And they had the faith enough that, can I just add this in the sense, our God is coming and when he gets here, he's going to tear some things up. And the Egyptians' response, I believe, goes, oh, sure he will. That group of religious fanatics... What, what, how can these people still imagine this archaic religion? And the Egyptian soldiers, they're going, yeah, sure, he's going to come and tear it all up. Then, on the day that they read the newspaper down in the Israeli camps that God has seen, heard, and knows, and is coming... Don't you know there was shouting and dancing and can I say joy in the camp? Because for so long it had seemed that the Egyptians had all the joy. It seemed for so long that the Egyptians were the one who had the best life. For ages and centuries, these people had all the money. These people had all the power. These people had all the position. It seemed for all those years that for so long, the world's gods were more powerful. For so long, it was better to be in the Egyptian camp than in the camp of our God from a human reasoning. But because of this morning's headlines, because of the news trickling down, it put hope in their heart, it put praise on their lips, it put a spring in their step, and suddenly Israel is energized, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Listen, folk, genuine faith listens to a higher voice than comes from earthly bound voices. Because the world is trying to drown out our hope. It's trying to drown out our faith. The world is trying to take the peace and joy out of us. The world's trying to say that your God is archaic. And what does 400 years of praying get you? And what does believing get you? Look, we're the ones with the power. We're the ones in position. We're the ones who rule and run this thing. And you keep thinking that God's going to come and do something. I want to tell you, that ought to put a stir in us to realize because ladies and gentlemen the world is the set stage and I believe God is about to do something wow in the midst of all the joy and the enthusiasm though watch this watch do you understand what I'm saying to us today don't miss the present application in the midst of all the joy and the enthusiasm look what God does I'm going to read verse 10 and 12. God is speaking to Moses and he said, Come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh 
that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So God said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. I love the word, don't you? How many of you know that sometimes we canonize the characters of this Bible and we should respect them? But I just want to declare they're just human beings. Just like us. Yes, they were prophets. Yes, they were priests. Yes, they were used in the kingdom. But they were just human beings. So God said, I'm coming down. Moses, I will use you. And in my mind, can I just tell you how I think the human nature is? In my mind, I don't think the people of Israel liked this announcement. What are you talking about, Pastor? So let me speculate a minute about human nature. Even God's people. Lord, Lord, we know that you know everything. Lord, we know that you are a sovereign God. We know you're omniscient. Lord, we know you know everything. <laughs> and God, we don't want to interfere. But Lord, don't make a mistake here. Can I tell you something? God's never made a mistake. But isn't it amazing how we think like that sometimes? Lord, we don't want to tell you what to do. But we would like for you to stick with what you said over in verse 7 and 8. You said, I have seen, I have heard, I know, and I am come down. Lord, that's what we want. That's what we want. And God said, or they said, God, we know Moses. We've heard of his temper. We know he was a spoiled brat in your palace. We know what he's like. Can I say by saying that? They know that he's like them. God... Moses is no match for Pharaoh. Human reasoning is human reasoning. God, Moses is not our kind of leader. So Lord, let's go ahead with what you have said. Lord, you come down. Lord, you come down with your power. Lord, you speak and men shall die. You speak and men will live. You speak and everything is changed according to your sovereignty. You shake the foundations of the earth. You shake Pharaoh's palace. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, there are times when human beings just do not like God's plan. We don't like God's ideas. We don't like God's suggestions. We don't agree with the way we think God's going to run this thing. 
And can I just say God's response was, I will use Moses. And here's what's amazing to me. Moses goes, I don't like it either. <laughs> I don't think this is a good idea either. And, and we kind of chuckle and laugh about that, but I'm not sure we would have agreed, agreed either because I have something I want to ask you. If God puts something upon your heart and has a purpose for you and an assignment for you and gifted for you, and He says, go do this. Sometimes we say, hey, wait a minute, Lord. I don't think I like that. And here's something else. We know man's track record. Don't we? Let me just say it for us if I could speak. Angels, they're wonderful. Angels have the, have the beauty and the celestial bodies and they minister to God's people and they're awesome beings. And, and God used birds to feed it. And boy, in the service of the Lord, we saw it. And, and, and the sun and the moon and the stars, Lord, they're beautiful. Lightning and fire and, and all the, the great things that you show us in your power. But man, well, Lord, looking at man, we've seen all we want. Well, that's not a very good report, is it? So now, joy in the... Israeli camp has turned to despair. God said he's coming and he's going to send us this flesh, failing, faltering, on and on. Add up what adjectives you want and we have no confidence in him. In this day, ladies and gentlemen, you and I gather here to worship. And all across this nation, thank God, we can still worship in liberty and in truth. We come here and we can say to the Lord, Come, Lord Jesus, be in this present place and be with us. And we say to the Lord, Lord, the, the lost are out there, save them. We say to, to those, there are people out there hungry, Lord, feed them. Do something about it. We say to the Lord, there are needy people everywhere. Lord, this world's in a mess. Fix it for us. All the while, hear the message this morning. God has said, come Mary. Come John. Come Charles. Come Elizabeth. Come Josh. Come Carolyn. Come Mark. For wherever or whether we realize it or not, ladies and gentlemen, my subject this morning, and that's the introduction, is that God's answer is you. God's answer is me. Thank you for standing ovation. The answer to the world's problems in the near future is not a building, although they're necessary. The answer to this situation we're in is not some kind of fanfare. It is not a program. It's not the, the being the best-looking pastor in the world, but we got that covered.
<laughs> it's not about great programs. It's not about it being the, the loudest music and the prettiest lights and all those things. It, those may have their place. And I think we ought to move on. I think God's a God of progress. And I believe, I, I always bothered me that the world progresses and we love it. But when we try to worship God with what He's created, everybody goes, oh no. Listen, I think we ought to enjoy lights and beauty because God created it all. I don't think the world should get to use it without us enjoying it too. But what? let me tell you what God really has in mind today. God has in mind right now for at least the near future, His, His answer is using you. And you, and you, and you, and you. God's answer is using you and me. God's program calls for not so much right now a major divine demonstration of his strength and his power and his austerity. Not even a display of his strength. God's program calls not so much for the display of his abilities. But God's desire is a called out crowd. It is a sanctified, genuine relationship group of people who will say, I surrender all. Who will say, Lord, you have invested in me and my calling is for you. It is for a genuine commitment in order, can I say, to be sent back into this present world as the answer for this immediate time. I'm going to hit us. You ready? We say we're saved. We say we're on our way to heaven. And we have a job. The Great Commission has not been fulfilled. It is not our place today. Say, oh God, it's so bad. Come and fix it. God says, I still have you on assignment. Generation 2020, COVID-19, and all those things. You know what God's answer really is to all this? You. You. You, you, me, God's answer is us. Mom, dad, teen, child, businessman, employee, employer. God declares, I will be with you. I will send you. I will go with you. Can I tell you many, many years ago that when God called me, I, I, I was like Moses. I, I questioned when he called, put his call on my life. And just like Moses, I did everything I could to disqualify myself. But eventually, when God has a call on your life, let me tell you the greatest thing is to surrender and get involved in it. Because if not, you can live for 40, 50 years miserably. And love God and serve God. But ladies and gentlemen, not you'll never be totally happy with all the joy and peace in you until you get right in the middle of the will of the Lord. I'm so glad that eventually I believed Him. I never felt qualified. I never have. But I said, okay. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I will follow where you lead. I will hear your voice and do my best to obey it.
I'm so glad that he has kept his word. He is with me. He has never left me nor forsaken me. I've been shot at and hit, but he's there. (laughs) It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God in you today. Generation 2020, listen. God's plan for the near future in 2020 and 2021 might surprise you. When God saved us and He filled us and He called us and He equipped us, though the Great Commission is not yet complete, I want to declare to you God's provision for you to be the answer is complete. He will give you all things so that when you obey Him, that you will be successful in Him. It may not look like a success all the time to you. It may look like we know this Moses business, and I know me, and Satan will capitalize on it. But God makes no mistakes when He says, Bill, when He says, Mr. or Mrs., teenager, whoever you are, I've called you to do this. I want you to do that. That God will equip that and make that happen. The thing that God plans to do, ladies and gentlemen, in the near future is this. He will back up His planting. And He has planted you here, and you here, and you here, and you here. And He's going to back up that planting. God has His power in place. God has His guidance available. God has His Spirit and His favor placed upon us. Everything is in place. And God says, you are the answer for right now. Moses, I birthed you. You remember? If you don't know the Bible, this was an Israeli child. And because the king had given an edict to kill all boy, male children under the age of two, just like in Christ's time. You know the story that the Mother of Moses placed him in the Nile River in a basket. Read the story, but God said, I birthed you. I supernaturally protected you. How many of you are here and by some right you, except for the mercy of God, your life would have ended a long time ago? There's been about four or five times that I probably shouldn't be here. But I want to tell you, when the Lord has a call on your life, He knows how to take care of you. God said, Moses, I birthed you. I protected you. I placed you, Moses, in Pharaoh's house. Moses, all these years, I have a plan for your life. And now, Moses, what are you going to say to me? If I could call every one of your first names, what are you going to say to me? What are you going to do? Moses, God says to us today, I found you in bondage. I found you under sin's dark dread. 
I sent my word. I had my son pay the price. And I called you out of love and compassion. And I wooed you with the Spirit. I saved you by the blood of my son. I picked you up. I washed you. I cleansed you. I gave you a name. I gave you gifts and abilities. Now don't hesitate to do what I've called you to do. I know this is forthright. And I know there's prophecies galore out there today. I know all that. Ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you this. God has a purpose for us today and we need to be about it. Young people, mom and dad, God's answer for what is needed next door to you is you. You know what God wants to use? He wants to use your smile. He wants to use your courtesy. He wants to use your compassion. He wants to use your concern on the campus, young people, about children and young people who are headed for a devil's hell. He wants to use you, sir and madam, on the job. He wants to use you at the gas station or anywhere you are. God's answer next door to you is you. God has given us abilities specifically. God has given each one of us a gift to answer a major problem. Let me say kindly and reverently, it's not the government. It's not the White House. It's not the government check every month. It's not Social Security. It's not Medicare. People in this nation are dying not because so much of a lack of food. People in this nation are dying not because of being poor. But the souls and the spirits of people all over this nation are dying because they think no one cares. And nobody's given them hope. So report for duty. You're called into an army. I have seen, I have heard, I know, I have come down, and you have a purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are the only chance some souls will ever have to know God. Yesterday afternoon, for about two hours, I sat while we commissioned again some 70 ministers in the Assemblies of God. And my soul is thrilled with the young people that God is calling. I know a young lady in my section. I'm the presbyter for years. I've seen God work in her life. She was so intense on serving the Lord that she actually got clearance and didn't even wasn't able to make her ceremony yesterday. She is already in a nation that I cannot mention. And she's just about 24 with a passion and a call on her life in a communist nation and yesterday they called her name she has already won hundreds of people to the Lord in just five or six months Whatever talent you have, whatever ability you have, I will tell you this, God didn't have you in mind when he gave it to you. He had someone else in mind so that you could use that 
to be his answer in the kingdom. Each one of us were meant to be a channel or a vessel that God would use that we could make a change and a difference in this nation so God could work through you. I think the right answer for us is, Lord, here I am. I surrender. Can I do something this morning? Just remain seated. I remember as a boy when I was 7, 8, 10, 12, 16, 18, 25. And ever since I asked the Lord to be my Savior, I have many, many, many times come to the place where I said, Lord, here I am. I surrender. I surrender. Isn't it amazing how we keep trying to pick up our own thoughts and our own directions? Let me say this to you and I'll be through. There is an assignment upon your life today. It is a mandate from the glory world right now, at least for the short term, because we don't know how soon the Lord's coming. I will tell you this, God's assignment is for you to be used and be the answer for somebody's life. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't fear rejection. If they reject you, they're rejecting the Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, let the army of God get on their feet and let us report for duty. This world's a whole lot more giving, receiving to the gospel than you might think. We claim to have the answer, don't we? God says, be the answer.